Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Hope you guys had a lovely holiday. My name is Ian Eskridge, and I will be your host for the evening. Uh, I'm sitting here tonight with my co-hosts, Mr. Danny Miller and Xavier Sanchez. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, hello. How are you? Doing just dandy. Uh, can't complain. Um, holidays came and went. No uh, awful surprises. Um, nothing. Uh, nothing bad at all. Had a had a nice time with the family, and um, for the most part, got to uh, relax and chill out, and it was good. Uh, Xavier, how was your holiday? Yeah, nothing. Nothing uh, bad. Nothing too great. Just just some days, you know. Can't complain. You guys, uh, either you guys do anything special for uh, for Christmas? Just uh, hang out at home, I would assume. Hang out, have a nice meal. Yeah, pretty much same here. Uh, Christmas Eve, spent the uh, the evening with a couple of close friends that live right around the corner from me, and uh, Christmas Day did some things with some other friends and family, and uh, you know, pretty much the same. New Year's, my the biggest. Uh, the biggest thing that uh, happened over my holiday break was that uh, I got two four-day weekends in a row. So, Oof. yay for that! Yeah, a little time off, uh, doing the knees right before I uh, go for this MRI to see, uh, you know, if I'm going to require surgery, which I'm pretty sure I am. But ah. uh, you know, yeah, it is what it is, man. Yeah, that uh, sounds sounds lovely. Um, I haven't had the. Uh... The misfortune yet of having to uh, do anything like that yet, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point there's going to be some sort of uh, silly, uh, silly injury or something that's going to end up causing something like that. Yeah, Such well, you life. know, years of uh, years of being a, a flooring guy, and uh, you know, all the all the even more added years on top of that uh, is you know doing the uh, athletic things that you know many of us do. That uh, has put some wear and tear on those knees. So, you know, um, these were one of the things I kind of expected to come at some point. I was hoping it would come later rather than sooner. But, uh, you know, maybe I'm still young enough to heal at a fairly quick rate and uh, get past it all. Yeah, so. Xavier doesn't have to worry about that. Still young. Still repairs yeah. quickly. Made a nerf. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> here we sit. Uh, first week of January. And still the same old nonsense, uh, no change in any of the labor negotiations. I guess we all kind of saw that coming. Um, they said they were going to take the holidays off, and they did not lie. Uh, they are still hanging out and uh, not talking to each other about any of the important stuff to try and get the league year rolling, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, same old, same old. Um not really anything, uh, nothing new. I mean, you did hear a Jeff McNeil rumor uh, it was last week, I think, that that rumor came out. I mean, I, I believe we've talked about him before, and that would be a uh, a fantastic pickup, you know, in, in my personal opinion. Um, but, you know, again, nobody can do anything, so there's not really much 
there's not I assume there's not really a whole ton of traction considering that nobody can make any deals at this point. Yeah. Uh we knew that these uh these labor negotiations were going to uh go for a little while, uh, you know, assuming they hadn't gotten done before the holiday. Uh, now that we've gone into the holiday and uh, things have kind of, kind of stagnated from, uh, from where we last spoke, uh, it's, if it's, it's just got the feeling that it's going to be a long winter followed by a flurry of ridiculous moves. If, uh, the, uh, the moves, the market that, uh, that happened before the, uh, shutdown, the lockdown, uh, you know, if that's any kind of indicator, we're going to be in for a treat of a really quick and, and ugly hot stove when we uh, we get back to baseball operations there. Yeah, that, uh, well, I mean, why not have, like, uh, you know, since we have the uh, the big, long thing in the middle of the labor impasse, uh, why not just have a crazy November and a uh, crazy February and then just call it uh, spring training, and let's go, guys. Um, the only thing, you know, I you got. I mean, personally, I feel bad for the players that haven't signed yet and don't know where they're going to be. Uh, so if they do take this right up to the wire, which I will be shocked and stunned if it does not go right to the wire, at least to spring training, you know, the beginning of spring training, if not, you know, a little bit into spring training. So these guys are, you know, their first move is going to be moving somewhere else and, uh, well, at least their family anyway, and then uh, getting themselves sorted for spring training, you know, either in Florida or Arizona, whichever one that they uh, are fortunate enough to be signed by. Yeah, and you know the big kicker with that is too is uh you know these players aren't going to be allowed to you know work out and train at their team's facilities until this thing is done as well. So uh you know regardless of of moves and and being traded here there or wherever or you know free agent signers moving from team to team uh really the you know across the board players are not going to be able to train in their team facilities. Uh you know a lot of these guys train and and off-site facilities in the off-season. So, you know, I guess that's a plus for some of them. But to be able to get together and, uh, you know, have full-team workouts, uh, access to coaches, uh, access to, uh, you know, team video and, uh, you know, those kinds of things uh, is really going to kind of put a hamper on the preparation for the upcoming season. So uh, I'm just really hopeful that they get this thing done and over with quickly on, you know, not just the the fact of being a fan and being greedy and wanting to be able to talk more about baseball and who our White Sox have chosen, but, you know, for the players that are uh, kind of being left out in the cold right now. And, and, you know, we've talked about it before where, you know, it was only last year, a year ago that these guys were uh, coming off a 60 game season and uh, missing out on some of that conditioning. And we saw the injuries pile up. And here we are again. So, you know, it could be uh, it could be quite uh, <laughs> quite the roller coaster and quite the injury riddled season again if we don't get things going here quickly. Yeah, I was just going to ask yeah. the same question. 
I mean, do you think that uh, with yet another uh, interesting offseason slash uh, possibly shortened spring training, are we looking at another season where these guys are going to be uh, fighting through nagging injuries early? You know, is that going to be a thing again? What do you think, Xavier? I, I, I think I said in the past, I, I was theorizing this because um, I don't see it like ending anytime soon. So I see it going into the summer months and with these guys not being able to work, like I, I'm sure that they're working out, but the way they're working out and what they're probably should be doing, that's not going to be the case. So we're going to still see the same injuries, which is just terrible because obviously this is supposed to be the window and we've talked about it being pretty tight. The time is now for a lot of what the White Sox need to have happened. And it's not as long as people think. Yeah, that was pretty much my feeling on the whole thing is that you got, uh, and I'm sure you've got Jerry out there leading the charge for ownership as well, you know, in the, in the labor negotiations with the, uh, you know, taking point for the ownership groups and, you know, knowing that his team is yet again poised to go to the postseason, uh, much like they were in 94 when uh, that whole thing got botched. Um, yet another stunted season for a talented White Sox team. And, I, you know, you hope that it doesn't end up coming back to, to bite them, you know? I mean, it's just unfortunate. Yeah, and, you know, this this thing really is – that's – I mean, you guys hit on some really great points in, in the fact that we as White Sox fans uh, knew that this was the time four or five years ago. We This is the time we were looking forward to uh, you know, there was a, a four or five year plan where, you know, Rick Hahn and, and, in the front office had kind of put this plan together and we're making things happen. And we've been told since day one that, uh, you know, look out come 2020, 21, 22. Uh, and, you know, through a set of unfortunate circumstances with the pandemic, uh, it's only put more of a wrench into those plans. Uh, and then you couple that with this labor dispute and, uh, wow. I mean, you know, the circumstances couldn't get much worse for a team that was finally ready to, uh, seemingly ready to, uh, you know, strike hard and, and really go for it after, you know, so much or So I should say so many years of being mired in mediocrity and, you know, here we are staring at this thing. And I'm trying to keep the rose-colored glasses on, man. But uh, yeah, nah. the optimism is not uh, is not really feeling uh, all the, that high right now. The timing of it is is like terrible. It reminds me of like I was in school when I had like big tests or a project that I needed to work on, but I was home for a long weekend, so I couldn't work on it in the car ride back to school. So because I couldn't use the com- laptop because there's no internet or i couldn't read because it's it's five o'clock in the winter which we're wait i have to wait to get the school to start that stuff which it's kind of like the white Sox. they're now waiting for this labor dispute to get a bunch of their questions answered they're like what players do we still need to get what what uh how conditioned are the players all those things got to be answered but they got to wait so this whole dispute to really 
do anything. I mean, maybe it's just the White Sox fan in me, but I can't help but just feel like the whole scenario and the way it's playing out is just so very White Sox. And it's really frustrating. (laughs) But, uh, you know, hey, um, I wanted to talk tonight about some things that we enjoyed in the 2021 season um, rather than dwelling on all the negatives because there's a lot of negative stuff to dwell on at this point, uh, whether it be incomplete roster, whether it be uh, the fact that the White Sox once again did not go to the World Series, which, you know, we kind of figured that this year, you know, 2021 wasn't going to be the season that they were going to do it. Um, but, you know, still not the uh, ideal scenario of uh, getting one win in the playoffs yet again. And I um, wanted to uh, focus on a few more uh, positive things. And uh, I guess I'll start first. Uh, one of my favorite things that happened this season was the Carlos Rodon no-hitter. I can't think of a better story than Carlos Rodon and his injury history and his just the, the hills and valleys that his career has gone through and dealing with uh, less than talent in the first couple years of his career uh, with the rest of the roster, and then his arm falls apart, and he's uh, oh, thanks for the f- thanks for the sub there, B. I appreciate that, Dalstake. F- um, yeah, so I can't think of a better story than that. Oh, look at that! Thanks for the oh, Timmy, go. <coughs> Doll steak with the five gifted. Thank you very much. That is much Look appreciated. You are a goat. That is wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, Good stuff, man. Yeah, that is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for the wonderful support. Um, yeah. So, Carlos Rodon from 2020 and the few outings that he had in 2020. And then he comes out just absolutely, you know, just firing the ball in the strike zone, coming right after hitters. His stuff looks as nasty as ever. He's got probably an additional, you know, couple couple miles an hour of of velocity, and uh, and he throws a no hitter. And <clears throat> I can't think of a more improbable storyline than coming back from TJ rehab and all that stuff and to to do that. And it was uh one of the one of my favorite highlights of the year. Um would you like to discuss or would somebody like to uh move on to another moment? Uh oh, oh hey. Thanks for the follow. Push robot, push a robot. Oh Push your your shaky, shaky. Yeah, and as, right, uh, nice. um, 
as I'm watching uh, your mean shake it, um, I just watched his uh, Tigres de Lisi of the uh, the Dominican League uh, just won seven to nothing tonight. Um, just finished up their game, so there's that. Nice. Anywho, as you were saying. Oh, I was just saying. I always find like no hitters pretty interesting. Like they they they're so random to me. Like a lot of, a lot of the great pitchers, they they might get them. Like obviously, Lucas Giolito had his. Burley had a few, but then there's some like random ones that always get sprinkled in from a variety of teams. Obviously, Carlos Rodon. If you were to name a person to get one, you wouldn't think him. Or 2012 when Philip Humper got his. Or however you say his name, and then uh, the other teams like Sean Manaya, good pitcher, but who's thinking that guy won? And then the list goes on. Well, thanks for the sub, Pusher Robot. Appreciate that. All the way down from you. Texas. Texas. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that. Uh, Danny. Yeah, can't disagree. I'm just gonna say I can't disagree with what uh, Xavier was saying. Just the uh, the random nature uh, of a uh, of a a solid no hit slash perfect game. Um, you know, I, I won't call it 100 percent random. I mean, there are a handful of guys out there that uh, you know weren't exactly the best of pitchers. They got them, but uh, the majority of them out there were guys that were uh, at least solid pitchers. And, uh, you know, it, it's always interesting and fun to watch. You know, Hawk said it best when uh, Burley was in the middle of his a few years back in the seventh inning and call your, call your sons, call your daughters, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I remember the energy of that, and I, I do remember people uh, randomly, you know, sending out text messages and phone calls and whatnot, like, hey, are you watching this? So that thing's always kind of cool. Um, but, you know, as far as it being Carlos Rodon, it, it, you know, I, I agree with you that coming off of his injury history, you know, not just with the TJ, but, you know, throughout the, his career, his major league career, really, with the shoulder issues and the bursitis and everything else he's had going on, uh, you know, we as Sox fans have been waiting for him to uh, meet the expectations that were, you know, put in front of him. And uh, he did that with glorious fashion this season, right up until, uh, you know, the last month and a half or so. And, uh, you know, honestly, uh, losing him would be uh, a huge hole coming up here. So, you know, here's the hoping that the White Sox can do something to fill that hole. But uh, in my mind, you're losing the best pitcher on your uh, on your 2021 roster if he does not come back. You know, yeah, so. that's uh, that's gonna be a huge hold, Phil. I mean, we've gone over this before. Uh, I just retweeted something yesterday about how uh, Carlos Rodon was number one in MLB uh, the third time through the order with like a I think it was something like a one four four ERA third time through the order, and the other four guys on the list were. Uh, uh, Adam Wainwright, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, and Jordan Montgomery, who that's actually, that one's pretty surprising that Jordan Montgomery was on there, but, um, he's at the top of the list and, um, you know, and he, with really good company. So, yeah. you know, you can't complain about that. 
yeah, no qualifying offer. Um, yeah, that's tough. Thanks for thanks for the biddies, doll steak. Hundred bits. Thank you very much. That's awesome. At least you thank got Kimberl. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah, we'll see how uh, see how magical does over there. Um, kind of thinking that magical's probably going to end up uh, being a pretty nice fixture over there, and uh, let's just hope that we get something out of Craig Kimbrell because. I'm not 100% convinced that that's going to happen at this point, uh, just uh, from what I've seen. But, you know, I at least hope to get some prospects, you know, some decent prospects out of it at least. You know, what that's going to be, I don't know. Now we shall see. So who's going next? Uh, As far as moments? Yeah. This season on the plus side. I mean, you know, uh, we can talk about no hitters. I, I honestly want to go right back to the beginning of the season. I, I'm sorry if it seems like I'm going to take the easy way out here, but uh, I'm going to go right back to the first month and a half of the season where your mean Mercedes put on a show that no other rookie had ever done in uh, at least in the last, in my, my lifetime. Uh, you know, coming out to a, a, a close to a 700 batting average in his, you know, first month of the season and uh, hitting monster bombs and clutch uh, game-winning shots and just constantly being on base. It seemed like every time he stepped into the box, you could just pretty much either put him in or, you know, put him on. So uh, that was just uber exciting. Uh, I know, you know, he fell off. Uh, we talked about it earlier in, in past shows where, uh, you know, the amount of at-bats a rookie gets before the uh, the league starts to figure them out um, is roughly in a, in a same general, like, 180 at-bat or so range. I believe it was 120 at-bats, somewhere in there. I don't really remember. But, uh, you know, we watched them fall off right at that period, and then we watched them come back right at about where, you know, in that average window of where uh, – a rookie comes back and, you know, the feeling was maybe that uh, maybe he could bounce back, but, uh, the, you know, the White Sox had needs and uh, he didn't fit those needs at the time. And we had some players that were injured and need to fill some holes. So unfortunately uh, we didn't see your mean again for the rest of the season, but that first month and a half was something special. Yeah. I think it was like eight straight hits or something that he had to start career. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, yeah, that first that first month of the season where he came out, he was just absolutely balling. And he's hitting over 400, and he's on base over 500, you know, fi- over 500 OBP, something like a, a 1,300 OPS, and uh, just insane, you know? I mean, y- you go to Anaheim, and you're expecting to see, you know, hopefully, you know, now – I will preface this by saying that I am a uh, a your mean Stan from uh, from uh, through many seasons and um, you and me both brother <laughs> yeah and just watching him come out to go five for five uh, and then just uh, continue on hitting and it was just one of those things where it's like I knew that the guy could hit the baseball uh, I just didn't you know they just kept on putting him off and putting him off. 
and um, to see him finally get his chance and then take uh, take a hold of it and actually do something with it, which is something that you know, as White Sox fans, we're not used to seeing our rookies come up and just beat the piss out of the ball. You know, like it's just like we don't see that very often. You know, it's like usually there's like some sort of a uh, a learning curve. You know, which rightfully so, you know, going to MLB for the first time is not supposed to be easy. Uh, So it's really nice to see when you actually do get uh, a guy or two to come up right away and be able to do some things. And uh, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, That was a I was very impressed with uh, what he did. Now, what happened uh, a little bit later on, you know, he went through a slump, started to come back, and then he got sent down, and then uh, and then a lot of weird stuff started. So, well, his uh, his retirement and uh, subsequent uh, coming back from retirement in less than twenty four hours was definitely uh, a very strange uh, time in. Uh, uh social media history to say the least for uh sports fans um or at least you know white Sox fans to watch him uh put out a, a cryptic cryptic sorry tweet that made it sound like he was going to step away from baseball and then he come out with the letter saying that he was going to step away indefinitely and then you know here he was uh at the next day back in the lineup so uh and like you said earlier we actually uh we actually uh, got the chance to uh, peek in on his game with the uh, the T Grace uh, just earlier tonight. So glad to see that he didn't hang it up and he's still out there doing his thing. And uh, who knows? Maybe he'll get a shot somewhere someday along the way. Yeah, I don't know where it's going to be. I, you know, who knows? With the way things are going right now, I have absolutely no idea where he's going to end up, whether, you know, it's still going to be with the White Sox or if he's going to end up with somebody else or. Yeah, I mean, who knows what's going on at this point? Well, you know, uh, we know Tony Larusa said that uh, he reached out to him personally uh, when that uh, you know weird retirement tweet happened. Hey, there's TLR. <laughs> Go get him, Tony. Uh, I mean, you know, he says that uh, <laughs> that 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 never gets old, man. I got to tell you, <laughs> Tony running across my screen. Um, you know, he, Tony, it was, uh, he, he took a little bit of flack for, uh, you know, jumping on your mean when, you know, your mean went and teed off on a 45 mile an hour, you know, Bocephus pitch from a position player in a blowout game. But, you know, the guy was having a, you know, a career start to his rookie season. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks thought, you know, let the kid have some fun. But, uh, you know, in the end, I guess Tony, you know, stuck his neck out and apparently tried to do his best to keep the kid in the game. So, you know, we'll see if it's with the Sox or not, but uh, I'm not banking on it. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on board with you there. Um, I'll be surprised if it happens with the White Sox. Um, you know, there's rumors of, you know, all sorts of, little clubhouse grievances from, you know, I unknown sources. I have no idea what it was, but, uh, you know, Chuck Garfine, you know, alluded to there being some sort of, uh, um, 
a locker room issue with uh, your mean, whether he was reading his press clippings too much or, you know, whatever it was, um, you know, said there were some sort of issues. And I, you know, the guy had a hamburger named after him for crying out loud. So, I mean, he did do something special. I have his Tops Now card. The guy did some really awesome stuff. Unfortunately, it just uh, kind of, you know, kind of spiraled out of control. So, uh, Xavier, what do you got? So, uh, Trisox Mike did a really nice, like, his 10 favorite uh, moments from the year. Uh, your mean was not one of them. A lot mm-hmm. of ones he had on there were solid choices, but not a single your mean one. Which is kind of crazy because you'd think he played such a big role in the first six weeks or so. Um, the ones, obviously, the obvious, I've made several tweets about it. The whole Feel the Dreams game itself. Obviously, the home run Corn game was great, but the whole thing was uh, really cool just to. Um, being in Iowa for college, uh, baseball is pretty big for a lot of people. Um, Cubs, obviously, is big just because of the way they had WGN, but there's a huge White Sox fan base there as well. Um, and for them to get just a baseball game was something they were really glad to have. And then to be two teams like the ones that were in there, obviously, the White Sox, there's plenty of fans there. And to have... Uh, what some may say, like a bigger market, New York team to come and have those people come to Dubuque and Dyersville and have to experience their, their form of everyday life was kind of interesting to see. Uh, and then obviously the game itself, the ups and downs it had, and then to have like a Hollywood yeah. ending was even better. Man, those those last three innings were were quite the roller coaster. I gotta say, man. I mean. You speak about Hollywood endings to uh, to watch the White Sox would seemingly have control, you know, going into the eighth inning and then uh, have those kind of hopes and dreams of winning the very first Field of Dreams game dashed by an Aaron Judge bomb only to see the White Sox very own hero who has been their hero for the last few seasons come through in the end and hit one into the corn, I mean, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, I was straight out of a movie. That was pretty insane. Um, you know, just once again, peaks and valleys in that entire game, you know, up, down, up, down. And uh, that, you know, I was not happy in my, in my, I was actually sitting right here in this seat watching my TV uh, with that game on, and uh, they gave, you know, and uh, Hendricks gave up the, the gave up the lead. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Bless you. you know, I'm just over here, just gritting my teeth and getting angry. And uh, then Tim came out and uh, sent us home happy. And uh, yeah, that was just such a fun game. And the fact that it was on the national stage against the the uh, MLB darling New York Yankees made it that much better. And uh, it was very satisfying to uh, get that win and then uh, managed to lose every other game against them in the season series, which was not exactly uh, ideal. Get in there. Get in. Sorry. Uh, so, so, so we haven't mentioned it yet, 
But we have uh, a guy in his uh, fantasy football championship game here uh, in one uh, Danny Miller here. Uh, how is that going for you? Uh, so far, it's been tough sledding, man. Uh, so uh looked like I was going to uh, win fairly easily points throughout the day yesterday. And then, uh, you know, the uh, the guy I was playing against had uh, Rashad Penny and A.J. Dillon doing things that uh, I did not expect either one of them to do. Damn it. Well, Cleveland's on the board, which hopefully means that uh, – Just not from your chub. chub. No. <laughs> But anyways, uh, long story short, I was down by uh, 11 going game tonight with Nick Chubb uh, left to play. And uh, so far, uh, it hasn't been good. You know, I figured it would be easy. You know, the Steelers having the worst uh, run defense in in the NFL and Nick Chubb uh, being one of the better runners in the NFL with uh, more more yards after – first touch than any other running back in the NFL and uh, more, more yak yards after contact. And, uh, you know, they just decided they wanted to use Baker Mayfield's ridiculously accurate arm and awesome decision-making to try to win this game. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's tough because uh, the uh, Ravens and Browns and the Steelers and Browns and Steelers and Ravens, so for you know back and forth those guys they they always play each other tough like those games are always uh, a war of attrition usually never a uh, super high scoring affair for the most part so yeah that's just that's a bad beat as they say in the uh in the industry that's a tough one yeah 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 you just throw the ball to uh david and yoku cleveland's tight end and that that, that could be on a segment of that helps no one yeah, <laughs> I drafted him. Uh, I think in his rookie season, expecting him to come out. And he's, you know, looked like he was going to be great, he's and a, then uh, nothing. My uh, cousin went to University of Miami and was friends with uh, David Najoku. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. Well, I apologize to you, Danny. Hopefully, things get better here, and uh, hopefully. Chubb does his job here and uh, gets you some, uh, you know, breaks off like a 70-yard run or something, hopefully. I've got uh, I've got a quarter to get seven points out of him. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, could be worse scenario. I mean, you could have been down by 20, I suppose. So that's a, yeah. at least a, a little bit on the uh, a positive spin on it. Yeah, um, I was really hoping he'd get in the end zone right there. It would have made me feel uh, much better. They were two yards out. He's got 58 yards, so I would have got the six points for the touch and uh, oh, would have put me at uh, 60 yards. So with seven points, I would have been uh, I would have been there. You know, what are you gonna do, man? But, Fantasy uh, football. It is a, uh, a a riddle wrapped in an enigma. Um, yeah, it's pretty much the it, the worst thing ever. Um, I decided. Uh, fantasy football. The part I like about it is drafting with my friends. And because of the whole COVID thing, nobody gets together anymore uh, for it because it's a, it's a pain. And um, I think I single-handedly drafted the worst fantasy football team I've ever had in my entire life this year. 
Um, so that doesn't help things. Yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine that uh, that puts a little <laughs> bit of a damper on the on the season. Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> all right. So, um, guys, got any other uh, any other uh, favorites that you wanted to uh, mention? Um, um, Billy Hamilton's catch in like the rain, where he's just flying Minnesota. through the air. And yeah, that catch in Minnesota few- was insane. That one was a good one. Yeah, no the release the release of one Adam Eaton. <laughs> yeah, I could say you could say you could definitely say that that was a highlight. Um, it was definitely not a low light. Uh, his first two, you know, like you said about your mean with the first like you know six seven weeks of the season with him uh, absolutely beating the crap out of the ball. Adam Eaton in the first two weeks, he was okay. Everything after that was terrible. So the uh, the uh, letting go of the Adam Eaton was not uh, exactly the worst thing in the world. Um, you could call that a highlight, if you like, I suppose. It's um, Obviously, the trades are what they were. But I got to say, those couple of days when those trades were going through, um, they were very exciting just to like, see the White Sox uh, pull the trigger and make those moves, which were ones I thought were ones we needed to do something about. Uh, it was very exciting. I remember I was uh, the one Friday I was headed to uh, a sports collector convention over there at the convention center, and the Kimbrel trade was rolling through right as I was arriving, and to see like these baseball fans, that's all they talked about that day. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I'll say this, you know, the uh the Tapera, good lord. The Tapera trade uh was nice. It worked out, you know, fairly well. Um and wouldn't mind seeing him uh back in a White Sox uniform. Uh Kimbrell on the other hand, well, we uh you know, we thought maybe there was going to be a time where Kirk Kimbrell would be wearing a different uniform next season. Um, I'm not so sure that uh, that's going to be the case, at least not at the start of the season. Great news just came across the wire that I just saw. Fanatics. I don't know if you guys were following this. I know you were, Xavier. Uh, Fanatics oh, yeah. was getting the uh, getting the, uh, the, the, baseball the, thing. the baseball cards. Well, just came across that Tops is being acquired by Fanatics. So looks like we'll get to keep our Tops baseball cards after all. Uh, that makes me very happy. Which I think if we go back to listen to, I, I think I mentioned it on this this show as well as my other podcast, I think I talked about how I speculated something about this because I, I saw someone comment about it and then I further thought about it about how this very thing is something I thought would happen eventually, just the way everything was lining up and, like, how big of a deal Tops cards are to people that even when all these other companies are jumping in, there's still something about the the name Tops that people really hold to. Like, if you talk to a lot of people, 
there's still hope that someday they reacquire all these other sports just because, and who knows, with Fanatics becoming the big name, they're, they, I think, they actually, I think, have not just baseball, but I think they're getting the rest of them under their name, and who knows if they re-get the rest of the sports, which then they'll put under apps as well. It's one yeah. big thing, but um, it's a, it's a, somewhat of a positive, I think. Yeah, no, I mean that was uh, I very happy to hear that because uh, I was I was fearing that you know we were going to end up getting like some sort of a you know a hot you know a, I know basically just a, a bad product and uh, if they're keeping yeah keeping I know. It, like tops, they'll have their flaws at times, but I don't know if you ever seen like a fanatic itself. Like, oh, they're wow. branded items. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's a little, little off because it's not like a huge focus of them. I think they put more work in like the transporting of other teams' goods from the various brands, not so much their fanatic owned and made products. Yeah. And that's that what was... it's very. With the sports cards, how were they going to look? That was my fear, is that, uh, you know, that's what we were going to be looking at was, uh, you know, just some garbage product that, uh, you know, like, usually, like, like their T-shirts and stuff, they're okay. You know, nothing usually uh, great. Uh, the quality of the materials or whatever is usually not the best, whatever. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, this this whole thing makes me very happy. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to bring up. I, I have the. Uh, I have it here. I'm just trying to get it up and working properly. And as I'm sitting here looking at it, I have uh, me and Xavier on here, but uh, but Danny's not on this on this picture for some reason. And hey, I don't it's alright. Nobody why. wants to stare at my ugly mug anyway. Fair enough. Who needs eye drops? 1 0. We can never feel Hamilton. Four years and four minutes. Make your own slip and slide for Billy Hamilton. Yeah, Come more games started on. than anybody else on the team. As, as long as Like uh, it's his backyard. Yeah, so, uh, getting some awful footing. Yeah, that was, uh, that was insane. What a great catch. Um, I mean, just if you go back to this season and you think of the, uh, the job that Hostetler did with, uh, pro pro player acquisitions, um, just the ability to get Hamilton and Goodwin in, that's something that we can look back fondly on. Not necessarily that, uh, that that's who, ended up playing a uh, a giant chunk of uh, innings with the White Sox. Um, but the fact that uh, they actually did uh, get have a, a really good pro player scouting system, so we actually got some players in here that could actually play baseball. Um, we've seen the pickups in the past, and we've seen a, a lot of chumps get signed off the uh, off the waiver wire. And this year with Hamilton and Goodwin, that's not what 
the White Sox got. They ended up getting uh, Jay Glam, uh, Goodwin, Billy Hamilton, actually guys that actually went out and did put up some numbers. And it's not, you know, inconsequential, irrelevant numbers, not something that, not just crunch time garbage. These guys actually put forth enough that it actually helped the team through some really tough times with some really bad injuries. Um, so kudos to those guys. That is a, a fond memory for me. Just, uh, you know, after watching what the uh, fiasco of the injuries with the White Sox in 2021, uh, seeing some actual competent baseball players uh, taken and run out there to fill in for guys was pretty awesome. Um, there was also, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What's up? You say, no, yep. Not that I'm just, a, I'm just agreeing. Yeah. And, uh, also another one, uh, he never ended up making it up to, uh, to the major league club because he did end up getting injured. But, um, I did mention uh, earlier today, and it was mentioned on the tweet on uh, White Sox uh, Daily's Twitter account, that we were going to bring up some minor league uh, stuff as well. And one of my highlights for the minor league season, um, speaking of those acquisitions that uh, nobody expects to see do anything, uh, Tim Beckham got picked up by the White Sox. And... uh, you know, it was looked at as another one of those, uh, you know, more or less everybody said, uh, it's just another one of those dumpster dive pickups, you know. And they actually ended up finding something in his swing and helping him fix his swing. And there was a stretch of, I think it was uh, five, four games, four games or five games where he hit like seven home runs. And uh, it's like every time you turned around, he was either hitting an extra base hit or a home run. And uh, that was that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, uh, you know, speaking of minor leagues, you know, and, you know, this guy that I'm going to just touch on real quickly, and I'm sorry if you did already. I was maybe, you know, uh, sidetracked by the fantasy football thing I have going on here. But, uh, you know, going back to highlights on the season, it was really nice to see Jake Berger get some time up with the organization after going through everything that he's gone through and everything that uh, White Sox fans thought he might be when he was first drafted. And to see him, uh, you know, go through the, the type of injuries that he went through with the Achilles and then re-rupturing that Achilles when he was, uh, you know, just a few months into his rehab and uh, all the other things that have kind of gone along with it and all the different, you know, uh, ideas that uh, he had gone through this depression and he was sitting at home playing Fortnite and Call of Duty and eating pizza all day and you know he was 500 pounds and out of shape and who knows where all these rumors came from but uh, in the end uh, we saw a really healthy looking uh, svelte Jake Berger make his way up to the uh, Major League Club finally if even for an abbreviated amount of time so man, you heard a lot of stuff on him. I didn't hear that many things. Oh man, there was all kinds of stuff floating around. Uh, you know, social media is a toilet. 
and people seem to just spout off whatever they want to spout off. So yeah, that uh, the uh, the twatter sphere was uh, in full. Uh, how shall I say toilet mode when uh, you know Jake Berger's name was mentioned while he was uh, going through his rehab. So just good to see that kid uh, finally make his way up. Next to us. Yes. Deep to left, his first big league home run. This is a, a segue into my next one. It's perfect with this one. Was uh, That Jake Berger game I was at when they beat the Astros and they put off all these runs and Jake Berger hit his home run. Um, a non, like, it's White Sox specific, but not really. Just being at the ballpark this year, it was great to be, like, back in the stands to watch these games and the whole just, like, you can watching the game on TV can be fun, but there's just something about a summertime night at the game with a group of people, food, drinks, baseball, nice weather. Yeah, as uh, Seven Zella mentions in the in the chat, it says at one point it seemed like he didn't want it anymore, being overweight and out of shape. Yeah, I know that um, there's been a few interviews done, uh, including one by uh, uh, our former uh, compatriot uh, Patrick Flowers did an interview with him, and uh, there was there was some depression there, and uh, there was there were some things going on, uh, you know, anxiety and all that stuff, and. Uh, caused issues for him wanting to uh, play baseball and he was contemplating getting out of it. And um, I can only imagine, you know, speaking of the, the Carlos Rodon thing to, to start off the show earlier, um, talking about improbable, you know, story arc for one Jake Berger. I mean, just insane, you know, goes from being out of baseball for, a few years with a double Achilles and uh, manages to make it to Major League Baseball and does, again, um, like the other guys that I was just mentioning, puts up numbers that actually matter for the Chicago White Sox. Not not garbage time, not something like that. Like, he actually, I mean, minus that home run that happened to put him up 10 to nothing, but, you know... He did. Uh, he had some nice base hits in there in uh, in crunch time, and he did some things. And I can't be happier for that guy. A super nice guy, and uh, really great to see. Yeah, could have said it better myself. Alrighty then. So I'm sorry. I uh... oh, good night, John Rudels. Oh, uh, he's out. Yeah, he's out. But uh, night rudels. Yeah, I uh, kind of rudely interrupted you as you were about to uh, move into the uh, minor league uh, segment of hey, the show here. Jake Berger fits. I mean, yeah, he spent most of the season in that uh, in the minor, so uh, I figured I would just uh, you know kind of throw his name out there as a as a as a somewhat of a highlight of a season, you know, so, uh, hoping to see more from him in the future, whether or not it's in a white Sox uniform, uh, just good to see the kid make it and, uh, do something with, uh, his baseball career. 
Yeah, that's going to be an interesting storyline as well because, uh, you know, it, it never hurts to have Major League depth and competent Major League depth, as uh, the White Sox found out last year with all those injuries. And uh, everybody's talking about who's going to get traded for a second baseman or a right fielder, mentioning names such as Jake Berger, Gavin Sheets, you know, guys like that. The issue with that is that uh, if you have an injury, now all of a sudden that Major League depth that you've been building up with this uh, pseudo-tank, you know, I mean, you can talk about it being a tank, you know. They did trade a couple of guys, but, I mean, let's be honest, you know, the the farm system had gone fairly barren, and they needed those deals to refill that roster from the bottom up. And uh, that's what they did, and they're still working on trying to build the system up to match what's on top because they've promoted so many of their good prospects. So now we're talking about, you know, getting rid of a Jake Berger, which technically he is blocked, but you also have to have something that's going to come up under, you know, that's going to be ready to fill in, say, if there is an injury, you know, heaven forbid there be a injury at third base or whatever, you know, you have to have people that are able to fill that. And, uh, you know, don't count me as one of the people that says, oh, yeah, just go ahead and throw Andrew Vaughn at third base because I am not on that train. I want a third baseman that plays third base to are, play are third sure? base. No, I'm 100% positive, oh, yes. Are you sure? I mean, he even played a couple of games at second base last year. Guys, he's phenomenal. <laughs> I say yeah. that. Yeah, I, let me make sure that uh, I just want to uh, I just, just want to preface that or, I, you know, I uh, just want to tag on that I am typing and speaking in my sarcasm font at the moment. Yeah, no, I'm just, you know, I, I've heard it. Uh, I've heard it mentioned that, uh, you know, some, I, I, I can't even remember, like, I listen to a bunch of podcasts, but uh, somebody mentioned that uh, having Andrew Vaughn as a, a super sub guy in the infield and the outfield and being able to play all the, all the positions like Ben Zobrist. The issue here is that he doesn't have, I, I mean, he could develop into that at some point, but I mean, that's being really ambitious for a first baseman, you know? And I, I'm just, I don't know, man. You're also looking at a guy who, once again, you know, he didn't exactly hit the lights out of the ball. You know, he was he wasn't great at the plate. And you're talking about making him your your Ben Zobrist when you know the numbers don't really match up to uh, to that you know line up on an even way. It just doesn't. It doesn't seem like I don't know. To me, it just seems ludicrous. But uh, it's yeah. like. It's like when someone switch hits, but they suck at one, and they're really good at the other, but they still continue to do it. The White Sox should let him focus on, like, put him at one position, let him focus on that position, plus getting that swing right. Um, I th- The White Sox, I'm on the board where we can't keep having them put guys where they don't belong. They need to find more everyday players. A Swiss Army knife kind of guy, like, Lurie is fine. But not everyone has to be that kind of player. 
that's that's one of the things that I've been hearing, uh, you know, about. Now, I don't know exactly who's saying this, but apparently somebody's saying that they want to have guys able to move around, and I'm sure it's probably stemming from something that Larusa said. But or like um, when they when they dealt with injuries, they probably were like, "Oh, we gotta fi- we gotta make sure we got more of these guys able to field other positions." That's like when they're saying how, "Oh, Jake Berger should go play second. That was during a time where these injuries were happening left and right. Uh, I think around the same time that might have been said by who knows who. Yeah, I mean, I have to assume that it's uh, that that it's a, a TLR thing, you know, because he's used to being in the National League and uh, having to do double switches and all this nonsense. This this isn't the National League, and more likely than not, my guess is that the DH is going to go away, or the DH is going to be in both leagues after this CBA agreement is my guess. Um, and in that case, you're not going to be having any of that nonsense going on anyway. So sue me that I want a second baseman that can play second base, a third baseman that can play third base, a shortstop that can play shortstop, and all the way around. Like, I'm so I'm so over this whole thing of, oh, well, you know, we don't have this, you know, we don't have anybody that can play the outfield, so let's just stick Andrew Vaughn out there. He was going to be our DH anyway, despite the fact that he's never hit over what, like two fifty three in a ball. We're going to go ahead and drop him right <laughs> into Major League Baseball, and he's going to be a MLB caliber All Star DH. Yeah. And yeah. oh yeah, and now because Aloy's an idiot, we're going to throw him in left field now. Like, come on, man! Like, Major League no. talent that plays the position that they are playing. That's that's. I mean, that's really all I ask. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's get a let's get a, a real right fielder, and a real second baseman, and uh, you know, let's see what these guys do in the postseason after that. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, like I, I I want a team where you have everyday guy that can hit left-handers and right-handers and plays the position that they're playing. Oh, and by I the mean, way, I don't give a I don't give a crap if he hits from the left side of the plate or not. If he's got a if he can play know, baseball, if he's got an eight fifty nine hundred OPS and he's hitting you know dangers in you know, the band box that is guaranteed right field. I think like the fifth friend hitters friendliest ballpark. Did they say that right? The, the, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter to me if he's a lefty. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of this, this, this whole talk of, uh, we need a, we need a lefty power bat. Um, I don't really care. If I get a guy that's got a WRC of like 125, 130, and he's hitting me 30 dingers a year and he's getting 70, 80 RBIs, I don't care if he hits from the right or the left side of the plate. My my he's feelings exactly. Hole. If he can play baseball, uh, that's all that's all I ask. You know, I mean I would prefer that he not uh play the outfield like uh like he should be in a wheelchair, you know. Like uh, Sevenzella says, i.e. Castellanos, you know, I would prefer that he can play defense. But, I mean, for crying out loud, man, at least uh, get I an think, outfielder think, to play the outfield. I think Castellanos is 
outfielding metrics get way overblown, by the way. The guy is not a butcher. He's not awesome, but he is not a complete butcher. Oh, yeah. and by the way, he knows how to hit a cutoff, man. I've seen him do it a thousand times. Something that our outfield had extreme issues with last season. Oh, my God. Just saying. Wow. Just saying. Xavier just dropped a, a real gem in our uh, in our text conversation here. <laughs> uh, big congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Drake LaRoche. Apparently, Drake... Drake LaRoche, the leader, got married over the weekend. So uh so there's something. Uh that was not a, not what I was looking f- uh looking to see on our little conversation here. Holy cow. Um anywho. I saw I saw that and I was like, oh my goodness. Because like it, you, sometimes for certain events you feel like time stops and you're like you only see those people as that age. So, like, I was young then, too, but also I thought Drake LaRoche was, like, eight at that time. And to see this in 2022 of him getting married, that threw me for a loop. Yeah, he's like, what is he? How old is he at this point? He's, like, got to be, like, 19 or something. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, the picture doesn't look like he's very old. That's for sure. No, yeah, I want to I want to say that he's in college, I thought. Most 28-year-olds look like children to me these days, though, you know? Fair enough. You, you hit 45 and you go, man, uh, you know, this kid's talking to me about this, that, the other thing, and the party he went to. I got neighbors. So I got neighbors live right next door to me, the two girls that I watched grow up, essentially, over the last 12 years or so, and uh, are now in their uh, mid to late 20s, and I still look at them like little kids, and it's... You know, I don't know. These conversations come up, and you think to yourself, "Man, uh, what are you? Are you old enough to drink? Oh, wait a minute, you've been old enough to drink for seven, eight years." Uh, but looking at this kid, I mean, he looks like a he looks like a baby still. He does not look. Uh, you know, things have changed uh, quite a bit as of late. Uh, you know, in the last, uh, I don't know, fifteen, twenty years, where the age of marriage has generally gotten quite a bit. Uh, older and um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, he does still look pretty young to me. Let's see. Drake LaRoche. He is a, and, uh, yeah, he's a freshman uh, in college. And not to sound like, uh, not, not to sound like a, you know, weirdo or anything, but uh, the wife is a smoke show, man. Well, yeah, good for, well, Um, here so uh, let me go ahead and bring this up I have a picture of him I don't have a uh, a picture of I don't have the uh, I don't have the picture from uh, his wedding up yet but uh, that's from his uh, senior year at high school or no that's that's from now at uh, Neosho County Community College and yeah, he looks uh looks pretty young there. Um that's pretty crazy. Uh I to hear that he's married is just uh is bizarre. Um Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 19. Uh it said and something I read he was 14 when the whole thing went down, so 19's about right. Jeez, Louise. Holy cow. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, other positive things from minor league baseball this year. Obviously, the ascent of one Romy Gonzalez was uh, an absolute treat to watch. Um, if you go on White Sox uh, Daily's uh, Twitter feed and search Romy Gonzalez, you will see all sorts of awesome stuff from Romy Gonzalez. Um, just mashing the ball all year long. Um, finally made, you know, his way up to, uh, finally made his way up to MLB. And, uh, yeah, I'd say that that was, uh, one of those ones that was unexpected that, uh, every baseball team hopes to have is, uh, one of those guys that, uh, takes a step that you don't necessarily expect. And, uh, he went ahead and did that this year and did some, uh, some pretty crazy things, you know, uh, Finally got promoted up to uh, Charlotte after uh, going 2020 in Birmingham, and in his first game, uh, smacking the ball around. I think he hit. Uh, he have like uh, two. Was it two home runs and a double or something like that in his first game? Or maybe it was two doubles and a home run. I don't know what it was, but it was. Uh, it's been a minute since it happened, but uh, that was a really really nice. Uh, story to follow if you watch that uh, whole Romy thing play out. It's pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, because of his successes, uh, maybe the White Sox are, you know, kind of feeling good about standing pat at the uh, second base position. Um, You know, if the kid pans out, you know, I definitely won't be mad about that. It's nice to see homegrown talent kind of come through and, uh, you know, do some things. But, uh, you know, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I would like to see some uh, major league talent uh, at second base, at least to start the season. You know, uh, who's to say we can't, uh, you know, maybe take that major league level talent and uh, flip it at the deadline if you're feeling really good about Romy Gonzalez, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I digress. Hey, there he is. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and bring that up. Got some uh, some nice pictures here. Go ahead and move that over there. There we go. There we go. Go ahead and bring that up. And so there is uh there's a picture of uh young Drake with his uh with his now bride um Julia apparently. Uh if you would like to send him uh, a wedding gift, uh you can go to the knot where they are registered. Um and you can send them I'm sure that there's something I'm sure they're looking for some uh, all sorts of stuff uh being newlyweds they probably need to uh buy a silverware and all that kind of stuff, you know, you know how that kind of stuff goes. <laughs> so uh, I doubt uh, yeah. they need much of anything, you know, yeah, probably uh, not. dad's saving all that money by sending them to uh community college. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, yeah, maybe, but uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, we are talking about Drake LaRoche here. He probably hunts his own food with a bow. So, uh, and uh, makes his own fire with uh Tinder and, uh, and Flint. So, um, you know, him being one of them, uh, backwoodsy kind of guys, I'm sure that, uh, he's probably out there doing all sorts of really awesome stuff. And I'm sure he's a great dude. 
You know, I you can't necessarily blame you know you can't blame him for uh, questionable decisions made by the team. Uh, and uh, by players who are uh, calling a 13-year-old a, a leader in the clubhouse, which uh, still to this day blows my mind. Um, but yeah, so oh boy, I'm, I'm All right, okay. Right. So so what's up with the uh, with the fantasy? Are you uh, you still you still uh, down not... a couple points? Down seven still with. Just about uh, three minutes, three and a half minutes left here. And it uh, looks like uh, Cleveland's going to be kicking the ball back to. Oh, are they going for it? Chubb. Fourth and 19. Swing past the Chubb. The Swing past the Chubb to the house. Uh, Chubb is currently on the bench. They have Johnson in the game. So, yeah. Uh, looking like my fantasy season is done on account of uh, Cleveland's coaching staff is ridiculously horrible with their game plan. Well, that is uh, unfortunate. Anyway, I apologize. Yeah. That is that uh, is what it is, man. Hey, I made it to the championship game, so uh, I guess I can't complain about that. I'm uh, I'm in the money, so I'll take that. But, uh, you know, obviously uh, finishing with the uh, with the belt, the trophy would uh, – would be a nice extra boost in the money as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Seven right. says he wants to see Yoelki uh, Cespedes take a step. Yes, indeed. He needs to. I mean, he's uh, his K rate was uh, very high. His walk rate was very low. Um, and as soon as he got promoted up to Birmingham, the power seemed to disappear. Uh, which, you know, again, uh, with most White Sox prospects – that's one thing that we have noticed is that at double a uh, Birmingham seems to be the place where power always goes to die. Uh, we've just been a little bit spoiled here in the last few years with uh, Robert and Aloy and uh, you know, just going out there and hitting bombs all the time. And then this year uh, all those guys who have been kind of stuck in a rut, of being in double A or high A, they came in this year and uh the uh the Barons were a lot of fun to watch this year. Um their season in general, that's gonna that's gonna be a great memory from twenty twenty one is the the Barons season that they had this year. They had nice pitching. Uh they dealt with a ton of promotions and uh and still managed to uh, you know, have a, a really nice season. You know, you end up losing Romy at uh, towards the end of the year, so that ends up screwing up their uh, their playoff run. But um, you know, yeah, exactly, a region's field factor. It's, but that's the thing is that this year, the uh, the Barons were hitting the ball out of Regents Field, which is something that, uh, as a White Sox fan, I have not become accustomed to seeing because no. I'm used to seeing guys go there and go from, uh, you know, in advanced day hitting like 14, 15 home runs, and then they go to Regents Field and they end up hitting four, you know? And then, uh, you know, there's guys like uh, Blake Rutherford where, you know, he's hitting four and double A and you expect him to go to triple A and you expect his uh, power output to, uh, you know, possibly double, triple, you know, 15, 20 home run t- kind of kind of numbers in, uh, 
in Charlotte, and uh, then you don't get that at all. So it's kind of one of those things where I'm kind of all out of sorts. I don't really know what's what. I guess we'll have to see what happens here with Double uh, A this next coming year. And if some of these guys see promotions, like you're probably going to, like a, a Craig Didalo and you know some of some of these guys that have been around Tyler Nesloni, who the White Sox picked up for cash. Um, actually, this is one of the things that I was looking at earlier today when I was thinking about the minor league stuff. And I just want to run this past you and tell you and tell you how insane this deal was. So Tyler Nesloni was drafted out of Texas Tech as a ninth rounder by the Braves, and he was one of the, uh, you know, as far as like the uh, the record books at uh, Texas Tech go, he was uh, one of those guys that was near the top on all of the records for Texas Tech uh, baseball. And um, when he came to the White Sox in early July. Uh, he was batting one, I believe he was batting like 163 with the Braves. And he wasn't playing a ton. And uh, his first game, he came up, he went 0 for, th- uh, I think he went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Uh, his finishing uh, numbers for the White Sox, uh, for, th- for the Barons, um, uh, 142 plate appearances, 121 at-bats. Had 16 doubles, a triple, 7 home runs, 28 RBIs, um, 19 walks versus 31 Ks with 43 hits, which equals up to a 437 on-base percentage and a 1.121 OPS. I would decent. say that that is quite a solid pickup for uh, Mr. Hostetler in the uh, pro scouting department because that right there is a steal. Um, he had batted uh, something like 292 or something like that in 2019 and then had 2020 off, came off of 2020 into the Braves, hitting 165 for their for their double uh, A team. They trade him. 1100 OPS for the rest of the year. Insane. A lot of fun to watch. Um, and just crazy. You know, it's like one of those, that was one of those uh, deals. And I might possibly even have been the person who broke that trade because nobody tweeted about it. Like I got, I think I got lucky and found out about it by just looking at uh, um, transaction history somewhere. And, um, yeah, and that ends up being like a, a huge move for for the uh, for the Barons, and they, you know, he is one of those guys, you know, between him, Carlos Perez, and uh, Romy Gonzalez and Craig Didolo, like those guys pretty much drove the offense for weeks at a time. So uh, a lot of fun. So uh, quick quick shout out. You mentioned uh, Blake Rutherford. Uh, Blake was one of the several. People who donated to ESPN Chicago's uh, Park, uh, Jeff Dickerson's fund for his son Parker. Uh, one of the names they had like a bunch of people, but I remember it going on there, and it said, it, and it is him, uh, Blake Rutherford, a thousand dollars to this fund, which is huge, I would say, for a, a, a guy who played most yeah. of minor league baseball. Yeah, 
Yeah, eleven year old kid now has got to uh you know spend the rest of his life without both of his parents. It's a pretty sad story. Yeah, it's it's tragic, you know. I mean, anytime when you see I mean, you never like to see anybody go, but uh at that age as a single father with, you know, a young kid, that's just uh absolutely brutal. And, you know, your heart goes out to the kid. That's just uh Something you don't want anybody to ever have to deal with, and uh, it's just uh, very unfortunate. But uh, you know, I've I've heard nothing but good guys, uh, good things about uh, Blake Rutherford being a, a great dude. So I mean, that just goes right along with it. And um, you know, just hope he uh, takes a ni- uh, the next step here in the next season. And uh, if if he does indeed uh, continue here with the uh, with the White Sox affiliates, so. Yeah, Carlos Perez not taking in the Rule 5, but then again, they probably – I haven't looked, but I have to assume that they moved him up to to the Knights roster so he couldn't be taken in the minor league part of the Rule 5 draft. So um, he can still be taken in the regular Rule 5 if they decide not to move him to the 40-man. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if we ever get to a Rule 5 draft. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah. Let's hope that uh, hope that this labor thing gets moving here, because uh, yeah, we don't want to be sitting here and talking about this stuff in February, you know, late February, no. wondering when uh, when they're going to sign a deal and whether we're going to have spring training or not. Let's at least uh, try and get it done here in late January, boys. So that way at least uh, people can figure out where the heck they're going to be for uh, the next few years and whether they have to move their families cross-country or not. So uh, you guys got anything uh, anything else that you'd like to mention? Any uh, moments or uh, minor league events? Mm. Nothing, uh, nothing that really stands out for me. Uh, you are the authority uh, for the White Sox uh, – minor league organization here on White Sox Daily. Uh, I, You know, to be honest with you, I don't know anybody uh, anywhere else within the White Sox fandom that watches as much minor league uh, baseball as you do. Well, so yeah, that's Kudos to you true. for that. I'm an idiot. And uh, kudos <laughs> for running the uh, White Sox Daily live, or White Sox Daily uh, Twitter and uh, putting out all those highlights. Uh, if, if, to our listeners, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, if you are not following White Sox Daily on Twitter, you should go ahead and do that right now because it is the only place where you are going to get to see live video clips, or I should say video clips in general, of uh, our White Sox minor league highlights. So go check that out. Go ahead and hit that uh, follow button. and uh, Twitter.com slash Daily White Sox. Yeah, and you can find us at uh, WhiteSoxDaily.com. Um, should be some more, uh, articles coming up here in the near future. Hopefully something happens. Uh, I know that there are a couple of articles in, uh, in the oven right now. Uh, when exactly they get published that I don't know as of yet, but, uh, oh yeah. Ken Rosenthal gets fired from MLB network. Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately he had some things to say about the, uh, commissioner and, uh, <laughs> rightfully so you, there probably is. Yeah, there probably isn't too many baseball fans out there that are going to disagree with anything he had to say, but uh, MLB Network felt like they had to move on. So, 
That hey, man, sucks. you know, it's just like, uh, you know, I don't know, one of the biggest sources out there as far as like uh, MLB news goes. But uh, yeah, go ahead and fire him. That's cool. Yeah, so, uh, in my opinion, possibly the uh, it, top three uh, baseball insiders. Yeah, yeah, between him and uh, Passan, um, those are like uh, the two guys that I really personally feel like do a really, really solid job and uh, don't tweet out nonsense here and there, you know? So for the most part, I feel like they're pretty uh, solid, you know, as far as information goes. Anywho, uh, so um, yeah, international project uh, prospects. Prieto not listed in top 50. Uh, yeah, uh, oh, the uh, the – the Cuban shortstop? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him yet. Um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that he wouldn't be listed in the top 50 if he did indeed uh, defect, which obviously he did. So I don't know uh, I don't know what the deal is with uh, Cesar Prieto. I guess we'll find out here coming up soon because that uh, the uh, – International signing dates coming up here in the next couple of days, so uh, we'll find out very soon. Uh, White Sox are linked to uh, two outfielders, uh, Oscar Colas and uh, um, I'm blanking. Uh, Eric, uh, blanking on the last name. Is it Gonzalez? I'm sorry. Uh, who? The uh, there's a outfielder that the uh, White Sox are tied to. It's another uh, Hernandez. That's who it was. I was thinking of Elian Gonzalez. That's who I must have been thinking of. Oh um, wow! <laughs> yeah. So um, throwback there. And uh, doesn't he play? He was playing for like uh, like some New York team on the World Series, the Little League World Series or something. I don't know. Anywho, yeah. So. Can they sign with the lockout going on? Yes, the international signing, uh, the international signing stuff, is uh, the international signing stuff is not uh, affected by the by the lockout uh, because they are not as as mentioned there yeah, in chat not- that they are not part of the MLBPA, so they are they right. are fully able to uh, do their signings. So I don't know uh, with uh, Eric Hernandez and. Um, and Oscar Colas being uh, eaten up a large chunk of money. I don't know as if the uh, if the White Sox have the kind of capital to be able to get a Prieto anyway. But uh, you know, you never know. I guess we'll find out. So, uh, all right, I think we'll call it there for the week. Um, hop back next week. I'm sure that uh, sure there'll be all sorts of uh, when the when the uh, lockout gets ended. Um, tomorrow, because it always happens the day bef- day after we record. Um, that's when big news <laughs> happens. So they're going to uh, finish it tomorrow. And, um, yeah, so hopefully we'll have something to talk about next week. Uh, Xavier, Danny, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me this evening. Um, as was mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Sorry daily- for not being totally present. Yeah, you got your uh, you got your fantasy. Hey, you know what? We uh we go on Mondays every Monday, well except for last week because of uh, we want to take some time off for Christmas and um, but uh, every Monday at nine we're here and we talk White Sox and uh, WhiteSoxDaily.com uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter um, 
is our uh, Twitter account, and uh, this will be in podcast form tomorrow. Um, if you like, you can find it at any of the places that you get your podcast from. And uh, just like to thank you guys for coming and watching. And uh, Dal Steak Pusher Robot, thank you for the gifted subs. Um, Seven Zella, good to see you. Uh, thanks, guys. And uh, we will catch up with you guys next week. Hopefully, we have something uh, have something to talk about. Uh, for my co-hosts, Xavier Sanchez and Danny Miller, my name is Ian Eskridge, and this has been White Sox Daily Live. Thank you. Have a great night.